to me, education for our industry kind of always boils down to the religion of the learner. How do we do right by an individual learner? If we can do that, everything else falls into place. It may require more time to bring a college grad up to speed, but we should not give, on, give up on them, especially in this industry where every single hiring manager listening probably is looking and seeking desperately for that senior. Because if you're not learning, you're dying, right? So like, I think it's less about, hey, here's a silver bullet. Here's a resource where you're going to learn everything you need to know. It's more about like, hey, if you can make your mindset or you can incorporate learning into your, your regular kind of schedule, then you're, you're on your way. Um, when I talk about consistency, it don't have to be two hours a day. It can be five minutes a day. It can be one hour a week, but it has to be your definition of consistent. Hello and welcome to episode three, season three of the App Pod. In this episode, we're going to be discussing digital media education. And I'm joined by Shiv Gupta, the founder at Your Digital, and Ellen Parker, the founder Ellen Parker Consulting LLC. Digital media education is a very, very underrated topic. And oftentimes people are confused what they can even do and where they can go to learn an ever-changing series of practices. It's also something which has changed a lot during the pandemic, with e-learning especially on the rise. In today's episode, we talk about this, as well as practical ways to learn, does impartiality matter in training, and much more. This was a really great conversation with two brilliant people who commit a ton of time and energy into educating others. Please feel free to click subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to and add a rating. It really does go a long way. Anyway, without further ado, this is episode three, season three of The App Pod. Hey, Adam and Shiv, welcome to The App Pod. How are you both doing? Great. Great. Thank you for having us. We're excited. No, I've been looking forward to this one a lot because the topic is something so dear to me personally. So again, I know it is to you both also, so it'd be great to to get into it but before we do uh for those who don't know you would you mind give us a quick intro to yourself and what you do um Alain, why don't you start and shift afterwards sure so i'll give you my two minute introduction here i'm ellen parker i am a mom a wife i am your new friend i've been working in the industry for about 10 years now my experience has been mostly by side programmatic trading and media buying which is why when we decided to, when I decided to work for myself three years ago, we founded, you know, Ellen Parker Consulting, but also a special program called the Reach and Frequency, where we train future traders. And so we, we literally just take corporate professionals, whoever wants to just pivot into programmatic, they don't know where to start. Uh, we get them, we get them there. We get them how to, to start. We help them answer how to, how to get started. What is it? Why it's important? Why you should join? Because I mean, we're here to talk about education and how much we have fun in the industry. So, uh, but yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much. And I promise, promise to behave during this interview. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> uh, I guess I will go next. So I'm Shiv. Uh, really excited to be on this pod with you, Wayne. I'm a big fan of uh, a big avid listener of your podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, a little bit about me. I've spent my entire career in the digital ad industry. Uh, I was at AOL for about 10 years uh, and saw a lot of interesting ups and downs and acquisitions and rebrands. And, and uh, it was a great experience. I mean, I met so many people. There were so many people that came and went during my time there. I saw so many iterations of that business. So that was a, a wonderful experience. Uh, I was at Curdio for a couple of years. Mostly, you know, been in sales uh, in my career. And then five years ago, I started U of Digital. Uh, U of Digital, our mission, our vision, you know, uh, very similar to, to LN and, and what she's doing with Reach and Frequency is we want to educate folks. We want we want the, the individuals in this industry to be empowered with information and knowledge, um, ultimately with the goal of, you know, making the industry better, right? I think our industry struggles um, because there's there's so many different pockets of folks. There's so much kind of knowledge, uh, tucked away behind different walls and corners that people don't necessarily have access to. And I think that inhibits progress. So our mission, our our goal is to to try to clear some of that, 
uh, and hopefully make people better off and, and make the industry better off by doing so. Awesome. Great. Well, good to have you both here. And one of the things that we're doing on the podcast this season is getting our listeners to know our guests a little bit more. And the way we try to do that is get our guests to answer, to sort of provide an interesting fact about themselves. Um, hopefully you both have an interesting fact each about yourself. <laughs> but I guess, um, Shiv, maybe if you go first, something which that might not be that well known to others in the industry about yourself. Oh man, this is the, the fun fact, huh? We got, and, the and here's fact. the thing about fun facts. If you don't actually give something <laughs> that's fun, you risk coming off as super lame. Um, the pressure, so, the pressure. <laughs> make it exclusive to this podcast. Nobody else heard this about Shiv. Uh, okay, here's my fun fact. So um, <laughs> when I was 26, I tried to start a company. Uh, the company was called Be Bannered. Uh, and I, I, at some point I rebranded it to leopard stripes, both terrible names, by the way, <laughs> terrible names. and I spent so much time on coming up with these, these names. Anyways, the idea, the premise, um, was pretty simple. It was, Hey, opt in to this consumer facing service and basically, you know, tell us what kind of things you like. Do you like movies? Do you like, uh, music? Uh, do you, are you interested in always having weather updates? And what we'll do is. We'll collect that information and we'll retarget you with content instead of ads in that space. And so the idea was basically like mm. everything we're talking about today, it was like, get the consumer, make them part of the conversation about advertising, uh, collect zero party data, right? It was like all this stuff that I actually think would be pretty interesting and relevant today. Um, obviously, you know, it failed miserably and, you know, I went, I went to do a job somewhere after that, but that's my fun <laughs> fact uh, for this podcast. Like it, like it. How about you, Ellen? First of all, at 26, I was not thinking about starting a tech consumer facing companies. Okay. I did remember trying to start a social media company and then realized like I didn't like social media. So I went in programmatic, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, <clears throat> Fun fact about myself is that I, since I grew up and was born and raised in Senegal and West Africa, we speak several languages. So French is the official language because we were colonized by France. And then Senegal has few dialects. One of the most spoken one is called Wolof, which is a mix of African language and Arabic. So I speak that one as well. And then originally I'm from Cape Verde. So we speak Creole, which is Portuguese based because they were colonized by Portugal. So I understand a little bit of that. I speak that. And then, of course, English. So I don't know how to write the other two languages, but I'm, I'm pretty fluent in most in those four languages, I would say. I can get around it, you know. I know when somebody's cussing me out and know how to say <laughs> I need food, bathroom, and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, that would be a fun fact. Nice, yes, nice. When, I, when I was 26, Ellen, I was not speaking six, six languages. <laughs> four languages. <laughs> No, I'm I'm nearly forty. I barely speak one. So, <laughs> so uh, cool. And then, so um, obviously, we're here to talk about digital media education. And a good place to start is probably defining what digital media education means and is. So, Shiv, how about you? What how do you sort of define digital media education? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think education can mean a lot of different things. Uh, depending on, you know, who you're targeting. Is it, is it students? Is it, uh, is it young people? Is it, um, is it children? Is it adults? Right. So we obviously focus on education for the digital media industry. So we're focusing on adult learners. Um, and, you know, when I think of digital media education or education in that context, to me, it really is like, it all starts with the learner, right? So one thing that we take a lot of pride in at U of Digital is like everything that we build, uh, we, we kind of have this, this saying, it's like, it's, it's always got to be about the religion of the learner, right? If we do right by the learner, then everything else falls into place. So I said this in the beginning about like my background, you know, our, our goal, our mission at U of Digital is to make the industry better um, mm -hmm. because there's all these knowledge gaps, you know, whether you work at an agency or at a vendor or at, you know, a marketer, like people know different things based on their experiences. Um, but if we can kind of understand down to the learner what they need and how they can kind of improve 
their, uh, their knowledge base in a way that kind of um, solves for their curiosity in a way that helps them do their jobs better, then all these other things start falling into place, right? If individuals can do their job better, then their teams can provide, you know, or create better output. If teams can provide better or create better output, then their organizations can do a better job, right? And so everything then falls into place. And that's how you grease the wheels of the entire industry, right? That's how people can, you know, uh, transact with each other more effectively. So to me, education for our industry kind of always boils down to the religion of the learner. How do we do right by an individual learner? If we can do that, everything else falls into place. Awesome. Awesome. And how about you, Aled? What are your thoughts on like defining digital media education? I really like what Shiv said about um, really following up on the learner's religion, because I think that's really important not to generalize and standardize in a way that there's only one language I've spoken. Obviously, we don't understand the same English in this industry, and we've come to find out that very soon, right? But I think the definition of education here should be like the process of receiving and giving, process of receiving and giving, no um, no boundaries, no limitation in how we receive or how we give this, this knowledge. And another thing that is a misconception or a myth, especially in the programmatic world, the digital advertising world, is the fact that education can only be given one time every so many. No, education needs to be given continuously, consistently, um, and clearly, I would say. So that's our definition. That's our definition of digital education. That's one of the reasons why it's so important is that just like what Shiv said, you need to, it's not a once a set it and forget it type of thing. You have to continue educating yourself. If you're not learning, you're dying. And I use my words very, very carefully. So you are. So you constantly have to push, but also you have to break down the learning the learning, uh, traditional learning environment, like learning in front of a classroom, learning in a textbook, learning via even a course. And we, we both have courses, right? No, learning can look as simple as, you know, asking somebody to teach you one thing or teaching somebody else, right? I think Chris Doe said, in order to learn, you got to teach somebody. So if you want to continue learning, you got to keep teaching somebody and making yourself better. But it can look as simple as like reading an article. What is something I want to remember from this article and I want to implement, you know? So it can come in different shape and forms. And even though it's great to have standards, and I strongly believe in those standardized processes, you cannot allow yourself to only go one like that one route, it comes in many shapes and forms and it has to be consistent enough so that you progress consistently in how you're learning. And if you're not sharing what you're learning, you're probably not learning. (laughs) If you can, if you're unable to explain a concept in a way that is very clear and very understandable, or like I like to say it to a five-year-old, maybe you don't understand the concept enough and that's okay. You just need to continue looking into whatever that is. Um, but yeah, if you, we gotta, we gotta definitely prioritize a little bit of educating in our, in our industry. Yeah. There's a few things that stand out from both of your mm-hmm. sort of answers are, you know, I think learning as you get older in your sort of in your professional career, it is very different to how you learn as a child and oh, or yeah. as, or as a, you know, a young teen where you, you know, go and complete these courses and you're done, you move on to the next one. Um, and also, I think the sort of digital media, it's not solved. Like, it's not finite. Like, it continues to change year to year. And, like, I know some people think that's, you know, hyperbole to try to encourage, like, you know, hiding things or spending more money. But the reality yeah. is the industry changes. And if you don't adapt, then, you know, as you say, then you sort of die. And then yeah. I, I also think the point around um sort of teaching back like you know what you learn sort of giving back or sort of training others is such a skill like you know we've I've sat in (laughs) I've sat in like workshops and you can have the smartest person on social media in the world but they can't teach for toffee you know there's there's a real skill to being able to construct Mm -hmm. content and narrative and flow so you're actually learning educating and so yeah I think there's just a few things that probably um get a little bit kind of underthought under about, you know, and I think education is so important. And it, it kind of leads into my actual, into my next question, which is 
around actually like graduates um because they are the ones who have done some more traditional learning methods and now coming in the into the industry um mm -hmm. with the graduates that you see you know who might have done like non-digital media degrees like psychology or whatever geography and they then come in into the industry like how ready are they for their sort of first jobs in digital media <laughs> um Alain, maybe if you go first I'm giggling here because um, so yeah. are our college grad, <laughs> fresh college grad ready for the digital media? Are they ready for does our college system, at least here in the U.S., prepares college grad for the real life world out there? I think not in the most respectful way. Um, I think it teaches some important life and va like values about how life is going to be, how for real life is going to be when you're done with colleges. Um, but I don't think it prepares us fully. But then again, how can we prepare for what's ahead of us? So with that said, um, I don't think so. I don't think that it prepares them for, um, for their first job in digital media. Um, does that mean that I don't believe in college grad? No, of course I do. I think there are definitely a pool of talent that can be developed and molded in a way that we need them to, right? Because they don't have any previous experience expectation and they're really motivated. Most of them buy money because they got, you know, uh, student loans. So I would say that it may require more time to bring a college grad up to speed but we should not give, them, give up on them, especially in this industry where every single hiring manager listening probably is looking and seeking desperately for that senior, okay? The reality is that seniors are know what they want and they know how much they want to make. They know what to expect or what to demand in, in our industry. And some of our companies cannot provide that anymore. So we have to look at another form of talent, which is junior's talent, which again, this is what we we, we train on. And college grads are, are, are one of them. So you just have to weigh how much internal resources you have if if you're ready to, to hire a college grad. But I don't think they're fully ready for their first job at all. <laughs> But it's not only related to the fact that it's, you know, it's digital or programmatic media. It's the fact that these kids are kids. Okay. Let's be real. Cause I was a kid until 28 years old. I was maybe yesterday. Um, so you, we just got to be patient and remember that colleges have different priorities and different needs. And they're, I feel like they have a different level of swag and vibes, you know, they're different. They're a different ball game. It's not a bad mm. thing, <laughs> but they're a different ball game. I don't know. What do you think, Shiv? What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think. I mean, the the obvious answer, right? I think if we stood up ten yeah. people from across the industry, everyone would say no. College graduates are not ready to do the job in digital <laughs> advertising, right? And like, it's interesting. I've um, so one of the things I did a lot when I was at AOL, and and even when I was starting U of Digital, is like mm -hmm. I went I went hard into academia. So like I I reached out to all sorts of universities. I reached out to Santa Clara and UCLA and UC Santa Barbara, like all these different, because, you know, throughout my career, I had these opportunities to actually guest lecture. Mm -hmm. um, so it started with my alma mater. They invited me back to like guest lecture on ad tech. So I would do like this lecture <laughs> once a year yeah. on like, what is ad tech? How does it work, et cetera. And it was crazy. I would go there and like people's minds were just blown, including the professor, right? <laughs> and what, what I very quickly realized is like, yeah, they don't, they don't teach any of this stuff, right? They treat, teach traditional marketing and like any of the modern marketing that they teach mm -hmm. in colleges today, it's mm -hmm. usually around analytics and maybe they touch like social media, right? Like they, they don't want to touch programmatic at all. They, it's too scary. It's too intimidating. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame them, right? If you're in academia, like how are you going to stay up with programmatic advertising? It's really, really hard to do. I know a few people shout out um, Garrett Johnson at BU. He's a really smart guy and he's, he's in academia and he, he lives and breathes this, but most universities and colleges don't have institutional knowledge around this. Right. So you can't blame them for not preparing grads for, for this world. Um, but the bottom line is they're not prepared. Right. So I think what needs to happen and what we need to think about as an industry is like, you know, the, the academia challenge aside, how do we as an industry do a better job of ramping these folks up on what they need to know? Uh, and that's where I think we fall flat, 
right? If you look at, you know, any, you go to any agency, you go to any ad tech company, they always, even for the most entry level roles, they're like, oh, I want somebody that's been in the industry for one or two years, right? And you, you dig into that a little bit. And it's, again, it's understandable because having to teach somebody what a DSP is, what an SSP is, what is an ad server, like it takes time. You got to live it and breathe it a little bit. There's osmosis. You got to learn on the job, but it doesn't have to be like that, right? Like we should be able to fast track it through some kind of structured education. Mm. And that's, that's again, where I think we as an industry fall flat, right? And so those are some of the problems I know Ellen's trying to solve. We're trying to solve as well. Of like, we shouldn't have to require two years of on the job experience to understand stuff that can be taught, right? We should be able to teach people that stuff. So that, that would be my perspective. I think it's a combination of the, the industry responsibility and also the universities or whichever way in before that, you know, yeah. having having content and learning available because it isn't like we were approached uh, last year by a major university in the UK to create mm-hmm. a programmatic degree, which they were, they, they were then underwrite. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. What a great idea. You know, get programmatic into big universities. What happened? Again, oh, actually, we're going to focus on something else, like analytics, as you say, or something else. So I think there's a bit of both. It's definitely the industry has to do more uh, to onboard and bring people in. And, and there's some ways to do that. But there's also, I actually think the pre-career, there's also more that can be done, particularly for digital media as well. Um, and actually kind of kind of on that, like the when the pandemic struck, it kind of changed the entire way people worked, obviously, but also learned and educated themselves. Mm-hmm. They went from doing these sort of half-day workshops in person to all online um Shiv why don't you start how do you do you think how do you think the pandemic has changed the way education sort of functions and is it good or bad yeah great question so um so I started U Digital in 2018 pandemic hit in March of 2020 I believe so we were about two years in and you know like I, I mentioned this in the beginning we're all about religion of the learner right and so when we started the company one of our big kind of pillars was we're always only going to do live sessions, right? We know that online learning pre-pandemic sucked. People would call in, you know, some people would be in the room, people that are calling in, turn off their cameras, not engage. We're not going to do that stuff at U of Digital. We're going to get everybody in the classroom. We're all going to learn together and have a physical experience, right? And so the pandemic hit and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, we're we're going out of business, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> and so that was like a... Yeah, that was like a huge inflection point, right? Because, you know, the immediate kind of thing to do was, okay, we got to do all these things online. And I was terrified because of my experience in the past of doing kind of mixed in-person and online learning. And it was really interesting. I found, you know, a few things. One was because everybody was online, right? You had an entire classroom of people online. Nobody was in person. Everybody was online. There was more of a general kind of camaraderie and a general kind of accountability of like, hey, because we're all doing this online, like we all have to be accountable to each other and to the instructor that we have to engage and learn, right? Um, And so that was one positive. The other thing was like, you know, just everybody was online. So everyone knew like, this is our new world. It's not optional. Like there's no dynamic anymore of like the in-person people are more accountable and the online people are not so accountable. So there was some like organic, people are now learning how to function in this environment. And that makes learning more doable, right? Like that makes instruction more doable. And then the second thing is like, just from a business standpoint, Wayne, like for, you know, our, one of our goals, one of our missions is like, we want to reach as many learners as possible in order to achieve our mission of making the industry better. And what we realize is, holy crap, we can reach so many more learners doing it this way, right? And so what that did for us and for our business is, um, you know, we have instructors all over the world that are distributed, right? So in a, in a remote world, I no longer need to find a digital measurement expert that lives in Chicago that can go deliver the session in person. I could just find the best digital expert in the world, right? And have them teach the learners. And so it just became much easier for us to achieve our mission. And instead of us going bankrupt, I actually think it accelerated our, our progress. So um, it was, it was uh, honestly, it was awesome. And now obviously we're going to like this hybrid world where, you know, my, my hope and my goal is, can we get the best of both worlds, right? Can we do the in-person when it's doable, but can we use the remote to scale when we need that as well? And I think that's, that's what we're seeing play out a little bit. 
similar. I saw way more people just engaging in it um, because everyone else was. It was the only way. How about you, Ellen? How did you find sort of the learning, sort of teaching experience, sort of shifts or pre-pandemic to during the pandemic? I think the million dollar thing that um, Shiv just said is that he had to adapt to, again, the learners, but also the environment and what was happening outside. Because I think in our industry, we get very tunnel focused on the latest programmatic technology of what the trade desk is doing next. And then we forget that there's a bunch of people that are living lives and some of them are hard lives and we have to adapt and be empathetic. So I do think that depending on me, the pandemic change perspective in a good way. Um, I get annoyed when I see companies retract, right? Have you not learned anything about the pandemic? Have you not seen how productive this has happened? Um, in case of going back to the traditional going in office or whatever it is, you know, um, without giving at least employee choices, I would say. But I think it definitely helped. For us, we started in 2019, late 2019, and uh, we started as an activation consulting firm. So just providing, you know, I think the, the word nowadays is like staff augmentation. And so I had a team of strategists just placed on project and then discovered that our core, I would say our mission really was to teach historically excluded people how to start and grow in their career in advertising. I mean, in programmatic specifically. And we focus again on media buying because that's our our, our strength. That's how we do things as we understand that language very, very well. And we standardized it and we made it a course. And so anybody could, could purchase the course, but also turn it into live program. Like, and that's why I love the workshops that um, Shiv is doing is because he layers a little bit of both too. It's like, you can learn on your own, but you can get this expert in-house right now. You can ask all your questions and then you can get this and that. And then we can follow up with consulting. I don't know, something like that. And I think that follow-up, that consulting, that hands-on is very important. And so some people are really good reading a whole book by themselves, you know, <laughs> a self-book, a self-help book, doing things, going to make that live their best life. Other people can read the book, but they also need Audible. And then they need a Facebook page where they can discuss what did you do when this happened or whatever? How did you do this homework? And some people want to be inside a classroom and just do it in six weeks or seven weeks or whatever it is and then move on, right? So it has to be like, how can we match a little bit of everybody? Uh, but we can't make everybody happy. I, but I do think that the pandemic normalized a lot of that you know, different environment type of thing. So we don't have to only do it in person, which is cool, great, great experience. But we can make it very, very convenient because not everybody can be in person, honestly. When we look at small, medium-sized agencies, small, medium-sized brands, not everybody is willing to travel to the New York and the LA and no shade to y'all, okay? But maybe a little. Um, but ultimately it's like, okay, all of the, the rest of the workforce, how can we make sure we provide enough education consistently to them so that they continue learning on their own? And that's the way to do it. Workshops, online workshops for now, virtual workshops, send them in once in a while. Cause I do think that in-person, um, interaction is part of the learning experience and how we grow in the industry, but like normalize everything, give that choice and hold people accountable because you can gain all this knowledge. But if you're not going to apply it, then there's nothing. It's, it goes to shit. Like, I don't care what you said. Knowledge that is not applied is not power. It's just S-H-I-T, which I already said. <laughs> so so that's, that's the thing I think the pandemic has normalized for us. And I do think it's going to continue growing, but in different ways. Um, I don't think it's going to go back to pre-pandemic, like only in person. I don't, don't think so. But I do get annoyed when it's only a requirement. Like, oh, no, actually, you're limiting your, yourself here. You know, everybody can learn at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely has um, scalability. You can mm -hmm. teach more people. You can record content. Yeah. You don't have to keep going to yeah. spending a lot of time traveling and sitting in lunches, whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's, yeah, I think I think I agree with you both, actually. The future is sort of a, mm -hmm. dependent on what it is, sort of a, some will be delivered entirely virtually, some entirely in person, some a bit of both. It'd be interesting to see how that shakes out. And one of the things I was thinking about with this as well is, because I get asked this all the time about like digital media, as I, was, I said at the start, it's very mm -hmm. dynamic. 
and that's not my problem my fault it just is um and it is so it's difficult to keep pace and people always ask me like oh how do you stay up to date on what's going on like how do you learn and sort of stay ahead and it's actually, a, I think it's actually a really good question because there isn't really, that's like a really easy, simple one place to go. There's a, a bunch, I think. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to know, I think, Shiv, if you start, like mm-hmm. where should people go if they do want to learn and stay up to date on digital media? Yeah, so uh, first of all, the obvious answer is uh, <laughs> Ellen Parker Consulting, uh, TPA, <laughs> and uh, you've digital. That's the that, obvious. That's it. Next question. Well, duh. <laughs> we can stop the podcast now. Good day, Gal. Yeah, that's the that's the easy answer. No, but seriously, um, no, you're right. It's an ex- exceptionally dynamic space. Uh, you know, I think Ellen said this uh, in the beginning, and we believe in this as well. It's like, mm-hmm. first of all, it's got to be a process, right? So, like, if you treat learning and education for the space as a one-time event of just like, hey, if I learn this, I'm good and I can move on. I think that's like a, a huge, op- you know, you're setting yourself up for failure in a way. Um, but, you know, I think, I think there are so many resources, right? Like there's podcasts like this podcast. There's obviously the trades do a fantastic job of kind of reporting the news. There are um, conferences. You can learn at conferences. You obviously learn on the job all day long, right? I think the key is you kind of have to um, do two things in order to keep pace. Number one is you have to find resources that you personally kind of it works well for you, right? That you can A, trust and that you can B, kind of like learn from in a, in a way that kind of fits into your lifestyle or your calendar, your schedule, whatever it is. And sometimes that's a podcast, right? I learn a lot from like your podcast or the Ad Exchanger podcasts. That's a super valuable use of my time when I'm driving or I'm going somewhere, I'm picking up my kid. So it's like, it's gotta be something that's conducive to how you learn, right? Going back to religion of the learner. The other thing is you gotta kind of make sure that, the the sources that you're you're like you're understanding the source of the information right so um you know you want obviously unbiased sources there's very few for, few sources that are completely unbiased and that's okay right you want to be able to say okay well here's a source i know they may have this angle or that angle i'm just going to take this information with a grain of salt um and i'm going to kind of absorb it in that way so i think that's really important and then the number two thing this is the most important thing wayne is they're all the resources are out there they exist right it's having a mindset, right? Like how do you keep pace in this industry is, you know, you kind of tell yourself what Alain said in the beginning, which is don't do it as a one-time thing. Like make sure it's ongoing learning, make sure you're applying it to what you're trying to do and make sure that you have the mindset of I'm going to constantly learn. I'm going to constantly seek information um, because if you're not learning, you're dying, right? So like, I think it's less about, hey, here's a silver bullet. Here's a resource where you're going to learn everything you need to know. It's more about like, Hey, if you can make your mindset or you can incorporate learning into your, your regular kind of schedule, then you're, you're on your way, right? You, the resources are, are all there, right? You're going to find them, um, find the, find the stuff that works for you and make sure you have that mindset of continuous learning. I think that's how you keep pace. Yeah, that, that that's great. And I was going to ask you this actually, Adam, because this is something that comes up a, like a lot with people I speak to is mm-hmm. how do they find the time to learn outside their job? Because you're sort of learning on the job and there's also these courses you can do and there are more and more resources every day. Mm-hmm. How do the industry people sort of balance that? Like, is there like an optimal split of time or topics or I'm not sure. Like if someone said to you, how do I balance what I do on the job learning versus sort of extracurricular outside? Like, yeah. How do you approach that? Um, so you got to you gotta define balance. Let's redefine balance here and normalize this new definition because I don't agree how we define balance in our industry, which is I give you this much of my personal family time and then you give me this much, right? It's, it's not equal. A balance means it's like a symphony and I'll be really quick. A symphony has a different instrument. Let's say that has five instruments, piano, violin, whatever. Not all instrument comes at the same time, right? So you'll have a certain amount of piano here, and then you'll have the violin, and then you have the ding, the bong, whatever it is, at a certain amount of time. But everything comes together so beautifully, and that's where the musical, you know, the musical magic comes into play. And that's how we have to define balance in our industry. I don't have to give it all to you right now. I don't. Um, when I talk about consistency, it don't have to be two hours a day. It can be five minutes a day. It can be one hour a week, but it has to be your definition of consistent. Now, if it's once a year, 
I don't know about that consistent. It might be a little wider, but it needs to be consistent enough that you are developing that muscle because muscle has memory and brain is a muscle so that you can really go and learn and grow. So where do you start? Where's your biggest strength and where's your weaknesses? Take some tests. I'm a big fan of personality tests. Understand what your strength is. Um, a good one is the Clifton Strength Finder. It's a test that allows you to, to understand, like, are you futuristic? Are you good at executing? But maybe you're not good at planning, you know? And so if you know you're not good at planning and you want to be a director of programmatic media, like the department, you need to have planning strategy. You need to have execution and you need to have a little bit of business development, right? I'm, I just summarized it very, very generally. So go after something you want to get better at, but don't, don't think because you have not done it, you're not capable of learning or because you've made a mistake before, you're not, you, you can't get better at it or you, you, you know, it's the end of the world. Um, so learning does not mean perfection. Matter of fact, perfection is another definition. I think it's a fake friend. Um, trying to perfect things is just an excuse not to do what at all or not to go after something. So make sure you're not miss, you know, you're missing, you're not misunderstanding perfection with learning here. That's not what all three of us are saying. What we're saying is that develop a pace where find that symphony and make sure that learning is a very important instrument in that symphony. And again, it don't have to be every day. If it is every day, it can be as easy as one article a day. Matter of fact, every student in the program, I, I tell them, read one to, th one to three articles a week and then post something about it on LinkedIn. Why posting? Um, because then I'm forcing you to like talk about what you remember, right? Because our brain only remember most things, what 50% of what we read, we remember in the next 24 hours. And then after that, 25% and after that, it's even less. So Post about it, teach somebody some, uh, somebody about it, try to implement it, ask questions about it. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Like, I think that's the best way to still learn. <laughs> Asking questions is the way to learn. And then if somebody, if somebody doesn't receive this question correctly, they're projecting their ignorance. They're not make, don't let them, don't allow them to make you feel any type of way. So in recap really quick, like find that balance, find what consistency means for you. Understand that you are not being asked to be perfect. You're being asked to know and grow with how your, your, you know, your body and your brain remembers. And then definitely share with somebody. Because again, when you, the more you share, the more you explain, the more you'll remember things. And don't allow one mistake at work to like hold you back and allow you to mentally think that you're not capable of doing something even greater and you're stuck where you are because you made that mistake, okay? Everybody makes a mistake in these streets. I'm probably made all type of mistake as a trader. Call me, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. So yeah. that, that's my definition. Just get awesome. started. Don't have to be perfect. How about you, Chef? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, Alain. I think I think you're, you know, it, it has to be organic. I think there's no like prescription, right? Like if you force it, right? If you're like, oh, I have to spend 10% of my time learning and 90% of my time doing, like you're kind of putting yourself <laughs> in a box and yeah. you're setting yourself up for failure. I mean, like people always talk about the best way to learn anything is to do it, right? Mm -hmm. To do it on the job. And, you know, if you have a job, if you're fortunate enough to have a job in the space, I think one of the best ways to learn is to like, especially in the beginning is like, keep asking why, why, mm -hmm. why am I doing it this way? Like challenge the status quo, not in a confrontational way, but like, why do we do things this way? Why do we set it up this way? Help me understand the why, because if, if you can understand that, why you can do a better job. And I think you want to take that to the end, right? You want to take, you want to keep asking why. And if you get to a point where the organization can't answer it for you, like why we do things in this way or why our strategy is this way, then you go out and self-teach, right? You find the resources on your own uh, and you learn those things, right? Um, but I think, you know, when when we're just trying to learn on the job and and, and so like when you self-teach, that's when you go and uncover those resources, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, what's going to answer my question? My boss couldn't answer it, but I went and read this article on ClearCode or on, you know, Digiday that did help me answer like what header bidding is and why we deploy it, right? Mm -hmm. That's That's how you... Like, I think that's how you build your learning rhythm in a job. Um, and you maximize like what you can get from learning on the job, 
right? Yep. Um, and you maximize the output of that learning for your yourself and for your team and for your company, right? So I think it, it's got to be organic. And, and like what I think is interesting too, Wayne, is like one company and one job based on how well they can answer your questions, you may find a different mix of self-teaching and learning on the job from your peers, right? Because maybe one organization can do a really good job of answering those questions. Uh, another, another one can't, right? And so you have to kind of fall back on some of your own uh, tools and resources. So yeah, that's how I would think about it. Yeah. I like that because I would say, sorry, I, I just thought about something. Like I would say, don't stop at your companies, like go above and beyond. Like if you cannot find the answer, go find it yourself and going after and subscribing to those, um, you know, newsletters. And I'm a big fan of Chief's newsletter. I'm a big fan of Wayne's newsletter. Matter of fact, I, I, I thought it was weekly and for a while I didn't get any. It happened to be monthly and emailed the guy like, yo, did you forget? Or he's like, it's actually monthly. It comes out tomorrow, but it's okay. I'll be patient. But it's important to to subscribe to those newsletters and read them, open the message. People take a lot of time, make it convenient for you. And it can answer a lot of questions. Like it can really answer a lot of questions. It comes with advice. It comes with professional opinions. It comes with like a good summary. And I think it's, it's the easiest way to stay on top or track to track what's happening in our industries that those newsletter from those key those key companies and and when you're working let's say and I'm speaking to me you're buying here but when you're working with a DSP or or on the sales side with an SSP like go subscribe to the competitor I'm a big fan of the trade desk but I subscribe to almost all of the DSP out there I want to know how they the other I want to know what's happening out there am I missing anything or Am I able to really implement other things into my day-to-day? -day? You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that's really important. Really maximize that. Yeah, I think on that point, sometimes when you see, you know, articles come out um, or research and it's positioned as educational, but it's coming from a big company. How do you, how does someone decipher between is this, google or trade desk like pushing a narrative or are they actually trying to help me like how do you how do you think about the, the the importance of impartiality or i think shiv mentioned earlier sometimes it doesn't matter like what are, you, what are your thoughts on that is like education from companies i would say okay i think that's a that's a good that's a good segue into this conversation because um you're right a lot of the vendors the partners in industry maybe have an agenda and they may have a sell pitch at the end. And I think it's still okay because there's some level of information that's being shared. Now you can start reading an article or white paper very early on and automatically understand that, oh, the next three pages are only going to tell me uh, what I'm going to get if I sign up versus what I should have gotten, right? Like, what's the advice you're trying to give me this white paper? Where's the case study I I'm trying to find out? You can you can get it very easily. And it's only two, three minutes wasted of your time, right? And there's no waste because now you know. Um, so if you're the company and you do that, don't do that. Give us our case study, follow up, ask us for our email, do something, but don't do that. Don't, don't make us download 15-page white papers and then five pages in and we realize like we're never going to get to the case study. That's not cool. Okay. Um, but I will end by saying this is like, there's always a piece of information that can be defining I, either it defines it's the right company to continue following, or it's not the right company to continue following, or this is not my source of education. And you can tell, again, you can tell after a couple articles, the sources that you can trust because it's consistent on how it's being delivered, okay? And you got a gut feeling, like this is some good stuff and this is not some good stuff. So just follow, you know, just, just continue looking into those little traits. And honestly, that's the reason why we create our program is because we work with so many DSPs, but every single DSPs, and again, I said I would the most diplomatic and respect and honor to all of them, are very focused on how to best use. It's, very, it's not as user-friendly, at least. Um, you can't access the good education learning from some of those DSPs. You have to be a client or you know, a customer or brand working with them. And, and it's, you know, it frustrated me. That's why I started creating this. I'm like, no, most of these DSPs, 
do this. <laughs> okay. Now you don't set up the camping the right way, but everybody has a start and on and an off button and it works the same. So, um, so I think it's really important to just look at the sign and just really, you, you, you will be able to see, you can smell BS from far away. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like you can smell it. Just, just follow through on it. <laughs> I can say, cause Shif, you said earlier around how sometimes yeah. the lack of impartiality doesn't matter. So like interested to know your thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, most, most stuff that's put out in this industry has some value, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not, it's not just all garbage. Um, I think oh, no. just, you know, to Alan's point, like as long as you understand the angle um, and how, you know, wh- what the purpose of the material is, and sometimes that purpose is masked, right? Like, so you mm-hmm. have to, you have to think for yourself, you know, like if you go, you know, so love the trade desk, if you read the current, right? Mm-hmm. Which is there. Mm-hmm. Now they've hired all these reporters. They've got ex day people and ad age people. Like mm-hmm. they literally put out a publication uh, called The Current. Mm-hmm. If you read it, like all the articles, obviously, yes, there's a lot of value in there. If you want to read about the growth of CTV and why it's, you know, so powerful and, and what the future is going to look like, that article on its own is really valuable. You also have to take a step back and realize like the trade desk pushing CTV is hugely valuable for their business, right? As long as you can take a, a grain of salt, take that information with a grain of salt, I think you can get value out of out of all content, right? So it's just it's just a matter of like taking a step back and thinking about that before you get into it. Um, and so, what if the company has a pitch, a sales pitch at the end? Get over it, skip the sales pitch, just get what you want, move on. That's how, as a company, we are letting our future clients, future partners know that we're here for you to help you. And somebody reading it is going to be you know, it's going to relate to that pitch that you might find annoying. So just don't allow just one sales pitch or one sales article to deviate from like what Shiv uh, Shiv and and Wayne are saying from the right information, from the education piece that you may need to know or read or hear in the moment. So again, you know, I'll be sensitive. Yeah, got you. Um, Comes the last couple of questions, but the theme of the series is transformation. And because so much is changing, I know the word has been done to death, but really feels like digital media is going through a lot of change. In digital media education, what do you think will be the big changes we'll see in sort of the next 18 months or so? Uh, Shit, if you want to go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just tell you from what we're seeing in the market and what we're experiencing. So what's interesting to me is our industry right now is, is it's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of traditional advertising and marketing um, is converging right now, right? So like obviously TV is becoming digitized and becoming part of our universe, and like you know, know out of home and radio and more tech and and cloud, like everything is kind of converging, right? And so what we're seeing, um, you know, in, in talking to our partners and talking to learners is like there is now more than ever a need to transform teams and people um, and and make them more multifaceted, right? Be able to speak to the convergence of all of it, be able to take a team that was maybe just selling display and now make them, you know, a retrofit them properly to speak about uh, cloud or about CTV, right? So that need is is tremendous. And in the past, like, you know, our industry has always been fast paced, but that, that like right now is this kind of critical moment of convergence. And I also think there's all these macro factors like privacy, et cetera, that are playing a role. I think companies are catching on that it's not, we can no longer use the approach of just like, oh, learn on the job, osmosis, like just figure it out on your own, go to conferences, go ask your customers. And it's like, wait, hold on. If we want to be successful, if you want your company to actually be able to uh, take advantage of the convergence, right? And be opportunistic about the convergence, well, you have to be able to upskill them on the landscape and on the industry, right? And I think the the big transformation that we're going to see in the next 18 months is companies investing more in L&D in-house and in external uh, mm-hmm. companies understanding that it's not just, hey, hire somebody with 10 or 15 years of experience and that'll check mm-hmm. my box. Like, I think companies are going to get more in tune with the need and the and and be willing to commit the resources to actually get their people where they need to be. Awesome. Well, let's hope so. I really hope there's more L&D budgets because as we've discussed, it's such an important thing for companies to be doing. And also just given the 
employees time as well um how about you Ellen? what do you think it's like you know from what we see today with digital media education to say 18 months out what's going to be different um hmm. so i agree with every point that she was saying growth and you know lnd development and budget um i would say we're going to see more specialties pop up um and those specialties are going to create like new demands i would say and so new demands will create new requirements of that skill set so and what i mean by that is exactly what um what you've mentioned like uh linear tv ctv all that good stuff but in pharma or um display um with the touch of tiktok i don't know something that's going to be so a specialty for the client as probably maybe it should have always been and so a lot more of those specialty are going to pop up. And I think I'm excited for this. It's time for, for us to not be good, okay, okay with everything, but really great at one of two things so that we can keep sharing and expanding that one of two things. So I do think there's going to be more specialty, um, especially actually on the sell side and the, the buy side relationship where... Now we're saying brands go direct to the to the to the sell side sources, right? So we're gonna need that one person in the house on the brand side to really kind of demystify things. But then we might not know what that looks like. So what do we do? We we hire a consulting team like Wainstein to let us like really do. I think that that type of partnership is going to become more and more popular. And we we're seeing growth anyway right now, but in the next two years. We're going to keep seeing a lot more growth of, of this. Like, I don't want to figure it out on my own. It's too much. Let me invest in somebody like a partner, like TPA, and let's make it happen real quick. <laughs> or let's make it happen efficiently. It don't have to be quick, but it can be efficient and effective. Um, so I'm seeing more. I, I'm actually, even in our clientele, we're seeing more of those, those requests here and there. Um, so I think it's going to keep growing, definitely. Cool. And I don't think AI is going to replace <laughs> our jobs, y'all. Get over it. Chat GPT is cute, but it's not going to replace it. Okay. <laughs> so AI is not in our projection, guys. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> That's maybe one for the uh, for another podcast down the line. <laughs> That's uh, a happy hour podcast. I'm drinking on that one. Sure. <laughs> um, but finally, if people have sort of enjoyed hearing what you've said, and where's the best place for them to find you and your content? Uh, and then why don't you go first? Um, so my website is heleneparker.com, but don't call me Helene in these streets. Okay, guys, the H is silent, but it's H-E-L-E-N-E-P-A-R-K-E-R.com. I'm super active on LinkedIn. I think you can miss my content on LinkedIn. I also do have a podcast called the Programmatic Digest Podcast, where we just discuss trends like this with other, um, other experts. Um, but yeah, pretty, ex I'm pretty, pretty active on LinkedIn, Instagram. So if you, if you search for my name or if you search for my company or the reach and frequency dot live, you'll be able to come across some of our content fairly easily. And we do have a newsletter too. So. Awesome. How about you, Shiv? Uh, yeah, same, same stuff. Go to social media, check out U of digital. Our website's U of dot digital. We put out a newsletter every week on the industry to help keep up with just the headlines in the space. And we layer in some opinion. Um, yep. So sign up for that. There's a free version. There's a paid version. Um, and then, you know, we offer online courses. You could check those out on our website, U of dot digital. And then we also offer kind of full-blown learning and development out of a box mm -hmm. uh, for, for larger teams. Um, and that's more of like our enterprise model. So if you're interested in, in discussing that, please reach out to us directly and, and we'd love to chat about it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on the app pod. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you both soon. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks.